Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Think, Feel, Eat, broadcast number eight. Today is going to be, let me get this set right. Today is going to be part two out of two of the urge map. Now, I say that it's going to be part two of two. Okay, unplug that. I say that it's going to be part two of two of the urge map, but ooh, babies, I'm just concerned that I have too much information. So we shall see how that goes, all right? Um, I don't want to make it three, but we'll see what happens. Okay, so let's start with a review of what urges are. Um, last week, we talked about extensively about what urges are, about why we when we have them, how we have them, what uh, gets them started, and um, how we know we're having an urge and how we know we're giving into an urge. All right, so um, I have to make sure I'm over here live because um, I can't see you in Facebook on here. I can only see it on the iPad, so sorry about that. Okay, so the scoop is this. You cannot know you have an urge if you do not have something to have an urge from or to. All right, so um, when people say, you know, I just had, you know, an urge for um, that Dunkin' Donuts, so I just pulled into the parking lot, they, that is pre-assuming that Dunkin' Donuts is off limits, right? You can't know what you have, I'm shaking the table. You can't know what you have an urge for if you do not have a protocol in place, all right? So in order to overcome urges, we have to have a protocol in place that says, this is what I do on this day. Now it can be a big protocol, like I'm keto, I'm very low fat, I'm vegan, I'm vegetarian, I'm you know, whole foods, um, I'm Weight Watchers X number of points, I'm X number of calories, I'm, if it's your macros, this percentage of fat, carbs, and um, protein. It can be, you know, I only eat, I don't eat meat. I mean, it can be, you know, it can be anything that your protocol is. Whatever you say your protocol is, that's the only way you're going to know if you're going off of it, right? So we said last week that having an urge is anytime we have a desire to eat different than what we planned. So there's that protocol again, right? Whatever that might be. And you can switch protocols. I go in and out of low fat and low carb. You can switch protocols. You can have a big protocol like real foods except for two meals a week. And here's my real food list. And two times a week, I'm going to have, you know, something maybe that's off of it. It doesn't matter. It can be whatever you want it to be. But the point is you have something. And then what, when you have something in place that is your, like, in, like we talked about self-integrity, this is what I'm going to eat. That's driving me crazy. I'm just going to avoid this sign. Okay. That I'm, that we're going to have something to eat that's not on that. So anytime we do these three things off of our protocol, we eat a type of food, an amount of food, or a time that is not predetermined. So let's make some assumptions, right? It makes assumptions that we are predetermining, that we are deciding ahead of time what we're eating, that we are writing it down, just, just a little, here you go, here it is, just no big deal, just salad, piece of dove chocolate and a banana, that's it, doesn't have to be real complicated, all right? 
Um, I got it fitting my macros. I'm making sure because I'm uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm counting macros right now. So when it's not on my list and it's not on my time or it's not on my amount, then I am having an urge. When I eat off of the food type, off of the food amount, or off of the food time, then I am giving into urges. All right. And urges um, are really the basis for emotional eating because we are not willing to say no to the food and feel the excitement or the joy or the happiness without that food if we're having a good day. We are not willing to feel the depression or not clinically, and I don't like to throw that word around because I think serious when people feel that way, but the depression or the anxiety or the oppression or the sadness or the uh, stress or the overwhelm with, um, by not, so we're going to have the food instead because we're not willing to feel those things. We're going to buffer with it, right? We're just going to do this. It's going to soothe us. It's going to make the feelings go away. We're going to do this instead. And we can do buffer and give into urges with anything, right? Porn, alcohol, nicotine, meanness. <laughs> I mean, we can just say, I'm just going to do what I want to do because I don't want to feel that. Or it could be as simple as I'm bored. I am restless. I feel indulgent. I feel deprived. And we don't want to, and we give into those emotions or we, we eat so we don't feel that. So it can be a huge, huge, big emotional thing, or it can be something very small, but it's pretty much all types of emotional eating fall under that because we are doing this activity, scrolling, gaming, eating, drinking, smoking, drugs, horning, over-sexing, over-texting, over-watching, over, right? Instead of feeling whatever this is, simple feeling to a horrible feeling. All right, so those are what urges are. So now, what do we do with these, right? Um, we can fight them. Remember willpower, uh, weight loss lifestyle number, number 60 and 61, I believe, talked a lot about willpower and how it doesn't really work in the long term. We have intermittent fasting on our side. It's bringing in our boundaries. It's bringing in our barriers. It's helping us out, right? And that's really, really helpful. Those, I, I just cannot, I cannot imagine, even right now, just maintaining my weight. I cannot imagine doing it without intermittent fasting. I don't even know how I could do it, <laughs> right? Because it's just some more boundaries, some more barriers. It's all brought in for us. Okay, so we can give in to them. We can fight them. Sometimes we'll win, sometimes we'll lose. We can learn to sit with them, learn to accept the feelings, learn to feel the feelings. There are many things we can do. So I'm going to go to my screen sharing and um, I am going to um, share the urge map. So this is what it looks like. You will get it via email if you're subscribed to DonnaReach.com. You can also go to DonnaReach.com forward slash freebies and it is there along with the episodes that go with it. My girls are getting me all organized over there. They are amazing. So I am going to go to screen sharing.
and I'm going to find the urge map and we're going to walk through it. All right. So here we go. Let me see how I can see if there's some way plus maybe. Yeah, we'll plus that a little bit. Now maybe we don't want to plus it too much. I want to get rid of all this. I'm going to get rid of all that. Okay, I'll scroll. How about that? All right. I'm a problem solver. I solve problems. All right, here's the urge map. Here we go. In the middle, we have everything we just talked about last week and what I just described to you in that long introduction. Okay, we have this urge to eat off time, off protocol, or off amount. So I, I, if, I, if I, now that I'm, I made this a couple months ago, but now I would call this to eat off time, type, or amount, okay? Because your protocol includes your time, your type, and your amount, all right? A protocol is your plan. It is, this is what I'm going to do. We do it ahead of time with our prefrontal cortex, not in the moment with our toddler brain, where we're having to say, ooh, oh, I really want that, oh, okay. All right, so these are our choices. One, two, three, four choices right up front. Okay, let's start over here. We can give in, okay? We can, uh, feel defeated when we give in, right? We will have many net negative consequences. It's important to note that when we give into an urge or when we have an urge we buffer with food or any other um, addictive type of behavior, when we give into it, it, is, it gives us net negative consequences because sometimes things are not buffering. Like sometimes it's better to just open up your iPad and play a game if you, I mean, assume you haven't been gaming all day, like, you know, last night when I couldn't sleep, rather than eating, I just pulled out my iPad and played a word game, and I'd never played games. I mean, like, like, I don't know, maybe twice a month. I don't even know. Maybe not even that much. I, I just, I just have so many things I want to learn <laughs> that I want to play games. So that's just me. Some people love games, right? And I love to play group games, but, and I play on the iPad with my husband with Wheel of Fortune. We are so good together. Um, but that didn't give me a net negative consequence. So that's not really buffering. It would have been buffering if I'd been on all day and I opened it up and I just couldn't stop. And I, you know, I was just, it was controlling me, right? But it wasn't buffering when I just played a game instead of eating. I was just choosing a different uh, way to distract myself. And that's fine, right? But when we give in, we usually feel defeated because we have so many net negative consequences following that. Do you see what I mean by this? Feel defeated, many net negative consequences. We feel many net negative consequences because when we give in, we usually end up, you know, feeling badly from overeating, being bloated, gaining weight, being puffy, you know, just all kinds of things. So usually giving into any urge, that's just food urges, for example, but giving into any urges, we're going to feel defeated and we're going to have many net negative consequences. All right. The second thing that we can do with an urge is to white knuckle it. And this goes back to episodes 60 and 61 of the um, weight loss lifestyle, urges part one and two. And from that, we've learned that um, willpower is limited, right? So two things can happen when we white knuckle. 
I, I can be strong, I can be strong, I don't give in, I won't give in, I won't give in. Two things can happen from that. We can have an uh-oh moment <laughs> where we end up giving in because our willpower is drained, it's used up, it's evening, we don't have enough of it, we haven't made enough barriers, we have not learned to sit with the urges, we, we, we just white knuckle, then we just gave in. And then of course we're back over here. Or we can white knuckle it and stay strong, which does happen. And we know people who do this all the time and get to goal weight. That's how I lost 100 pounds, not this time, but um, 25 years ago when I lost 100 pounds. I lost it through white knuckling. I had no idea how to manage my mind. I had no idea how to control my thoughts. I had no idea about thought work. I had no idea about willpower. I had no idea about dopamine spikes and seductive foods and, and just everything, <laughs> all the things. I white, duck, white knuckled myself strong for a year, right? We see people doing that all the time, white knuckling until they get to their goal weight. But then when we stay strong for a period of time, maybe it's just that one instance of white knuckling, or maybe it's all the time we're staying strong, but then what do we have? We have continual urges. Sometimes we'll resist them, other times we won't. And then eventually, our, we'll be back up here and we will gain back because white knuckling didn't work often enough. White knuckling would have to work like, you know, 95% of the time in order to keep our weight off with that mechanism. That's not going to do it. All right. So then we have this urge to eat off time, type, or amount, and we uh, sit with it. Okay. We sit with the urge knowing that it is just a feeling. Knowing that it's just a feeling, so we just sit with it. Now, this is what the rest of, a lot of this episode is going to be about. I have like eight ways to sit with it, okay? So we are going to sit with that urge. Now, um, a really good example of the difference between like white knuckling, my coach uses the example of holding a beach ball underwater. And you know that, that when you're white knuckling, you can only hold it under for so long and then it pops up. Um, she also uses an example of a fire alarm, which really applies to me because I rent a building for one of my classes that also has a daycare in it on the other side, and I'm on the other side, and I rent a building and teach students there. Or we, we teach students there, 100 plus students there every week uh, on one day a week, and on that particular place, they have protocols in place for their um, fire alarms, for their fire drills. And uh, they are for the daycare. They're not for like the whole building. Like if the secretaries are there working or whatever, there's certain ones that are just for the daycare because they have to have X number for them, you know, by law. And so they would come around to us and they would tell us at this time, there's going to be this fire alarm and it is just for the daycare today and you don't have to worry about it. And so that was good because it's really hard once you get 100 kids from their different classes out in the hall. They're not all there at the same time. But once you get many, many kids, dozens of kids outside, and then you get them back in, you have to get started again. And it's just, you know, that's hard to do. <laughs> so um, anyway, they would tell us this and this alarm would go off and the alarm was piercing. It, it is piercing. It is just it's just the loudest, most obnoxious thing. It's just like, it hurts your chest, it hurts your ears, it hurts your head. And when it goes off, we've already been warned, so we know it's going to happen, so we don't have to leave. But it's unbearable, right? It is unbearable. 
So when that alarm goes off, I don't want to just sit there, talk to the kids, just wait, count, you know, do whatever. I want to run. At the very least, I want to plug my ears as tightly as I can. And there are certain places, like certain rooms, certain places in the halls that aren't as loud as the rooms and so forth. So you want to run to those places. And you just really want to, right here, white knuckle when that alarm goes off, right? Because you can't take it. You just have to do something. And usually you want to give in and run out of the building. Okay, so that would be like giving in to your food urge. You want to give in to get away from that urge, to get away from that sound, to get away from the feelings associated with it. Over here though, when we sit with an urge, we are saying, Go ahead and beep all you want. You can beep as loudly as you want. I'm not going to scream. I'm not gonna run out of the building. I'm not gonna to go to a different place that's quieter. I'm not going to plug my ears. We're not going to put our heads down on the desk and cover our heads and ears. We are just going to sit here and know that it is just a fire alarm and it can't hurt us. And that is truly what sitting with an urge is. And sometimes it's just as painful and just as obnoxious as that fire alarm. And when we sit, we will get better and better and better at avoiding urges, right? And this is where you hear those people say, you know, I just don't even feel like having that anymore. My favorite things, I don't even feel like having them anymore. And that is in part because they have learned to, they could have learned to white knuckle. Maybe they learned to sit with the urge. They've also reduced their dopamine spikes. I talked about that in, the, in a couple of different episodes, how just eating, even if you want to treat, eat something that's not so seductive. Stretch out those seductive times. Make those really super seductive donuts, pie, cake. This is, I'm talking about sweet ones uh, with fat, sugar, flour, starch combinations. Um, brownies, cupcakes, make those so rare that you have less dopamine spikes for them, okay? So we can definitely do things scientifically and physically to help. But when it comes to mentally or thought work-wise or with our emotions, we sit with it. We know it's just a feeling. And guess what? The urge passes. It passes with no net negative consequences. Unlike when we give into it and we have all these net negative consequences. When we sit with it, we have no net negative consequences. It just came and it left. It didn't overtake us. We didn't allow it to overtake us. It didn't disrupt our classroom in the case of the buzzer or in the case of a food, it didn't cause us weight gain, you know, um, bloating and so forth. And then as we learn to sit with our urge over and over and over again, every time we're tempted to eat off time, type or amount, then after a while our urges are reduced. And when we do this enough, we will reduce or eliminate urges. Now it's interesting because uh, self-coaching scholars, our, our teacher, Brooke Castillo, she has um, used this to overcome overeating and lose 70 pounds and she looks beautiful, wears a size six, can wear anything she wants, that's my goal, wear anything I want. Um, and um, she's also given up drinking and not for religious reasons, she gave it up because she didn't want to have anything controlling her. She just wanted to control herself instead of things controlling her. And 
she says herself that occasionally she'll have an urge for some food. You know, it's not sweets with her. She'll, she says more like, you know, French fries or nachos or something like that. Um, but she will have an urge for, for food, but she never has an urge for alcohol anymore. After drinking, you know, the way she talks, I don't know her personally, but, you know, two or three or four glasses of wine a night. And now she has no urge for alcohol at all. So I would say, you know, we're going to have varying levels of urge reduction to versus uh, all the way to urge elimination, right? Knowing too that the more frequently we put that into our protocol, put those urge type of foods into our protocol, the more frequently we're going to have the urges for them, right? So coming home from vacation, my husband and I went to Disney World in January uh, for a just to get together with the two of us. And we didn't eat on a protocol during that week. We just ate on time. We didn't eat in uh, certain types of foods. We just ate, um, I think it was, we averaged, um, I think we averaged seven or eight hours of eating a day, um, which is great for vacation. <laughs> um, I know some days we had some 14 hour fast and some days we had some 18 hour fast and so forth. But anyway, then you come home from that and you've had those types of foods and it's really, really hard to get back into. And because you've had all those dopamine spikes and all of that, you know, giving into urges, even though it's planned, you have that food over and over and over again. And then, you know, you have to feel like you have to start this whole process over again. So the more frequently we give into urges, the more frequently we have something in our protocol like that, the more difficult it will be um, to go back. But Let's come over here and say, well, let's suppose it really is gone. Let's suppose our urge for something for these foods is completely gone or urge for, you know, in my case, cupcakes or something is completely gone. Uh, maybe I found enough good substitutions for it, not sugar for sugar, fat for fat, flour for flour substitutions, but just like healthy alternatives. Not that I overeat on because they don't have the same dopamine releases right? Let's face it, a muffin made out of pancake, I mean, made out of protein flour, um, doesn't have the same uh, urge de um, pulling pulls as what a cupcake, right? So then the urge, another option for an urge is that they're just gone, that we barely feel them since we've worked on allowing and sitting with them. We have the win with no negative, net negative consequences. And this is what we want to reduce or eliminate urges rather than using willpower, okay? So I talked about that last week too, how um, willpower is a daily event. I'm strong enough, I'm white knuckling, I'm overcoming today, I'm overcoming this instance, I'm overcoming this time. That is, you know, overcoming an urge or um, winning over an urge or something like that as compared with, um, Reducing it, reducing an urge, reducing the frequency of urges is gonna help us for a whole life. Willpower only helps us for today and only until it's out, right? And granted, we are saving it up, just like I described in Weight Loss Lifestyles, episode 1661. We're saving it up for our, our eating window. We're doing so many good things to create that perfect storm of weight loss, perfect storm of health and life changes, but, um, with willpower, that's going to be a daily thing. And with reducing urges, that's going to be a lifetime of things that help us. All right. So how do we get from this white knuckling to sitting with urges? So I'm going to stop sharing here.
and back to my face. Hi, and I am, we're going to talk about ways that we can sit with urges. All right, so there, the first way to sit with urges is to practice daily thought work, right? And we talked about that and I taught about that. Oh, I said I was going to have my episodes beside me for this so that I would be able to tell you the numbers all the time, but I forgot to have it beside me. Uh, number six, think, feel, eat. Um, just looking on my content calendar, think, feel, eat, number six. And that is where I taught you how to do your own thought work, right? So certainly daily thought work is going to be one of the best ways. And the reason is because we are examining our thoughts and our thoughts around food and we are watching for urges and then we are putting it into the model and saying, this is my thought. I want to change my feeling. My thought is, um, I, I, uh, I can't seem to, you know, stop wanting sugar, flour, and fat. Then the feeling might be that, um, you know, deprived or whatever. And then if we change, if we, instead of thinking I can't stop wanting flour, sugar, and uh, fat, if our thinking is um, I'm looking for ways to stop wanting flour, sugar, and fat. So when we change to that, then our feeling is curiosity. Right. You know how much I love the feeling of curiosity. It opens us up. I talked about that a lot in previous episodes. All right, so thought work is definitely one way, but there are ways that we can work on the urge at the, in the moment. All right, so I'm going to explain about eight or ten of these, um, and I'm going to start with my coach's urge jar. Let me see what time it is. Wow. Okay, um, so let me go back. Let me go back to something else here because I, I have a whole other episode on nothing but sitting with them. So we're gonna do that um, next time. So um, when it comes to our protocol and our fun foods, I'm gonna just veer off a little bit on this because a lot of people wanna know like how does our fun food or our exceptions or whatever come into play with this? And some people will think that maybe you shouldn't have any um, exceptions or any fun foods, and there are pro programs out there. And as much as I, you know, wish, it, I mean, I want them to be successful, but as much as I wish this wasn't a truth, a truth is that the protocols that eliminate them entirely um, overall have the highest uh, success rate in keeping off weight. Now, don't get me wrong, nobody has a high success rate in keeping off weight. So it's not like they're just like, wow, you know, Overeaters Anonymous or food addicts or bright line eating, they have, you know, out of a hundred people who try their program, they have a 30% success rate for weight loss and for keeping it off. No, <laughs> we're talking like, you know, 1% of everybody who tries anything is able to, and maybe, you know, 5% of them do. So it's not, it's not like it's a high percentage. Okay. But the point is that there are some people who believe that the only way you can have success with taking off weight is 100% adherence to a protocol with no exceptions. And food addicts, Overeaters Anonymous, all the like 12 step programs, you know, they, with food, they follow the same exact protocol as people, as we do with, um, as they do with Narcotics Anonymous or 
Alcoholics Anonymous or, um, you know, smoking, you know, whatever, what other, other 12 step programs do with substance abuse. All right. So they follow a, a no, no exception rule. Now, the problem with that, of course, is that when you fall, you fall hard <laughs> and you fall deep and dark and long, right? Um, so I've been investigating them a lot and I took a, a course from them and I studied it a lot. And um, I don't like to teach that myself because I can't do it. And if I can't do it, then I can't teach anybody else to do it, right? But the basis behind it is we're going to eliminate the urges entirely, which is what we're trying to do here, right? We're going to eliminate the urges entirely by never allowing any trigger foods in. Now, some of those go to the extreme where um, you can't even mention a food, like you have to go XXX in your post. Like, you know, I was tempted to eat XXX. Or I was tempted to eat, what do they say? Not my food, NMF, not my food. I was tempted to eat NMF, but I didn't. They can't mention the food. They have zero tolerance for triggers, okay? Now I say all this to you to say, those of you think that, well, maybe I shouldn't have an exception, that would be fine and that would be great if somebody, if you could do that and if you could do it for the rest of your life, right? But most people can't do that. And so that is why when I teach, and I'm getting ready to teach this, um, when am I teaching this? I can't remember if it's in weight loss lifestyle or think, feel, eat. But the four types of food, fuel food, frenzy food, fog food, and fun food. Okay, and the fun food is your exception meal. And my coach wants us to allot one meal a week, one instance a week. And um, I definitely think that's way better than cheat day. I think if you have a cheat day, you are white knuckling all week long, right? Which is what we just said, doesn't work with urges, right? You're white knuckling all week long to get to that day. And then you're eating way more than your body needs for that day. And you will undo any deficit that you made in the other six days, potentially, okay? So I definitely think her idea, she calls an exception food. She used to call it a joy eat. Now she calls it an exception food and I call it a fun food because I am trying to get in my mind as well as my clients and my students' minds that a fun food is for a festivity, right? It's not that we're just going to, uh, you know, just not, we're just going to have a fun food all the time. It needs to be an event. Okay, and I think that is a good way to look at it. So the, the danger isn't that you have a fun food and then you can't, you can't, and then you have too many urges after that. If you know that it is one fun instance a week and you've planned it ahead of time and you have determined what it's going to be, when it's going to be, and the amount it's going to be, then you're still using your prefrontal cortex for it. So it shouldn't undo you entirely. Now, there are many times that we do something like this. I know like the kids will come on a Friday night and we'll have, then that'll be my fun food night. And I'll have something baked that one of my kids make. And then the next morning, I'm just like, oh, wow, I really, you know. So it's not like it doesn't harm you at all, but I think it's more realistic. So um, 
you know, that is just a, a little note for those of you who think, well, if I do have a fun food, if I do plan one thing a week, I'm just going to have all these other urges. I think that if you're, if it's done right, where you are planning it ahead of time, you're deciding it ahead of time, you know when it's coming, you know what it's going to be, and you don't allow those foods in your regular protocol, then I think that, um, that it, it can definitely be a workaround and it can definitely help um, with those urges, but you're not doing it in the moment. So it's the same thing as I talked about last week. You know, I want this cookie, I want this cookie, I want this cookie, it's not in my plan, I'm gonna write it on for tomorrow. I'm going to build it in somehow tomorrow, right? I'm gonna plan that tomorrow, um, but I'm not gonna have it today. So it's a lot like intermittent fasting in that way, right? I can eat later, I'm just not eating now. So assuming it fits your protocol, whatever your protocol is. All right, I'm going to stop here because wowsy wow wow, I have so much information. So next week it's going to be just 10 ways. We'll just call it 10, let's just call it 10. I got 11 or 12 or 13. Let's just call it 10 ways that we can sit with urges, okay? And that's going to be episode number nine next Thursday, which is going to be, um, um, oh my word, no, it's not going to be April, it's going to be March 31st, next Thursday, March 31st, um, I do have three more uh, intermittent fasting webinars available, yet there's one tonight, and then two more next week, so you still have an opportunity to get in on that free webinar, if you've gone, uh, if you've gone, I don't want to say fallen off the wagon, but if you've had difficulty with your fast during quarantines, during the um, pandemic, it would be good to do, to do that one hour of free training um, in the webinar because it will really help you get back on track. All right. So I am grateful for those of you who listen and give me your attention. I don't take it lightly. I appreciate it very much. I want to give you um, the value that will help you make the changes that you want in your life. Thank you for joining me.